Thank you, choir, as always, for your leadership this morning. What a good day to be in worship together. Uh, Friends, legendary theologian, the Reverend Dr. James Cone, passed away yesterday. Cone might not be a name you're familiar with. Perhaps he is. He is the father of black theology. He is an enormously influential teacher and thought leader in the Christian church in the 21st century. And so I thought it only appropriate when I heard the word uh, that he had passed that we begin with a quote from Dr. Cohn this morning. Dr. Cohn says, In the act of worship itself, the experience of liberation becomes a constituent of the community's being. It is the power of God's spirit invading the lives of the people, building them up where they are torn down and propping them up on every leaning side. That's what's happening in worship this morning. In ways we can't see, God's spirit is taking what's broken within us and is writing a new future for all of us. It's like a divine improvisation taking place each and every Sunday morning. God taking what we bring with us into this building and then creating something new and beautiful from there. And so as such, I've titled this message this morning, God and Jazz Music. And we'll be looking at Jeremiah chapter 29 this morning. Please pray with me. May the words of my lips and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord. Send your living word to walk amongst us now, to challenge our assumptions, to set our hearts ablaze, and to make us whole again. Amen. It begins with a set of parameters, and from there you start making mistakes. That's what my friend told me when I asked him to explain how jazz music works. At that time, my friend was one of the best high school trombone players in the state of Louisiana. And I was a mere trumpet player from upstate New York, and I was more familiar with playing in concert bands and marching bands and all sorts of ensembles like that, where all I had to really do was learn to play the notes on the page. But my friend, on the other hand, He didn't just play in jazz bands, he played in Louisiana jazz bands. And if you know anything about jazz, you know that Louisiana jazz is on another level. And at that time, to me, jazz music seemed like this unthinkable, otherworldly type of music. The jazz musicians I had seen never used sheet music. They never really seemed to have a specific plan or pattern in mind as they started playing. They just kind of took off and the music came to them. And so I asked my friend, the trombone player who excelled at playing Louisiana jazz, how does jazz music even work? And his response was this cryptic, slightly pretentious phrase that I just shared. He said, it begins with a set of parameters, and from there you start making mistakes. Since having this conversation with my friend, I've also learned that his description is kind of right. Oftentimes when jazz musicians get together, they start to play and they have a certain key signature in mind that they're working with, a set of parameters. 
But then, as they're jamming together in this key, someone will introduce a new note, a new theme, something slightly outside the agreed-upon parameters, and from there, the other musicians will adjust and find new ways to incorporate this mistake into the collective song that they're playing. This is the exciting and amazing part about jazz music. The ways that the music can bend and morph right before our eyes, or should I say, right before our ears. The problem, and it's not really a problem, but the reason that some people don't like jazz music is because this type of improvisation doesn't always lend itself to resolution. We live in a world where we want it all neatly packaged, clean and cut. This and then this and then this, beginning, middle and end. And so for some people, jazz music doesn't quite fit into this clear, orderly understanding. The music can feel unfinished or unresolved. And for a lot of people, encountering music or other things in life that are unfinished or unresolved can make us feel pretty uncomfortable. And this is a human problem that actually goes way deeper than music. He knew I was going to get there. Because music that doesn't resolve or questions that can't really be answered, situations that are awkward, those in-between moments in our life are oftentimes some of the most difficult. I want to look now at an in-between moment from the scriptures. The Israelites were a group of people who had a lot of in-between moments together. But there's a big one that we need to read about, and it's in Jeremiah chapter 29, starting at verse 4. Turn with me there now. It's in page 690 of the Old Testament of the Pew Bibles. Um, or if you've got your own Bible, you're going to have to find it on your own. If you've got it on your cell phone, that's great too. That's an easy way to find it. 690 in the Pew Bibles, though. Jeremiah 29, beginning at verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat what they produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take your wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there, do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Now, a little background for you on this particular passage of Jeremiah. The Israelites disobeyed and forgot God. This happened a lot in the scriptures, but what's happening here is they disobeyed and they forgot God. And as a result of these bad decisions that they made, the Babylonians came along and conquered them. The Babylonian Empire was this great military superpower, and they came through Israel and defeated the people. And so thousands of Israelites lost their lives in this conflict. But for those who did not die, they were exiled to Babylon. They were sent from their homeland to a foreign town that they knew nothing about, and they were under the rule of oppressive Babylonian rulers. This whole event is called the Babylonian Exile, and it's an extremely important event in the history of the Israelite people. 
Now, the Babylonian exile was particularly painful because in Babylon, most, if not all, of the Israelite religious traditions were forbidden. And so the pain of the Babylonian exile wasn't just about missing your homeland or even about the struggle of living under the oppression of these Babylonian rulers. It was also the emotional pain of not being able to worship your God fully. That's what the Israelites are dealing with here. And so we have them living in exile, not being able to practice their religion, being oppressed by the abusive and violent rulers. And God says to them, build houses in this place. Get married, have kids, live long and prosper in Babylon. It might seem like God's being unjustly cruel, but that's not actually what's going on here. No, 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 no. What God is doing is God is improvising. Like a great jazz musician, God is taking this messed up situation that the Israelites got themselves into, and God is taking all of their pain and all of their heartbreak and all of their struggle and all of their mistakes, and God is improvising with it. Because after all, that's what a good jazz musician does. In jazz music, there are parameters that you work within to create. And within this world, in this creation, God has set out parameters for us. And yet God has given us freedom within those parameters. We are free to make bad decisions, unfortunately, just like the Israelites. But then as we make these mistakes, God improvises. God guides us back to the bigger plan that's in play. Here's another way to to think about all this, because I know maybe not everyone is into jazz music. And I used this story at Bible study two weeks ago, so some of you have heard it before, but bear with me. One of my favorite things in the world is a good sports movie. Doesn't matter what kind of sport it's about, but just those Hollywood movies that they make about sports teams. You know the type I'm talking about, right? It could be about uh, basketball, football, baseball. It doesn't matter, because they all follow the same pattern. Here's what happens in a good sports movie. We have this team, and they're really bad at whatever sport it is that they're supposed to be playing. They lose all the time, and they don't really seem to understand the simplest aspects of the game. But then they're suddenly given a reason to play well. They need to win, or something bad will happen. Again, it doesn't really matter what the bad thing is. It's the same in every sports movie. But they're hopeless, right? They just are no good at the sport they're supposed to play. And so then, then a new coach comes to town. And this new coach is going to take on the project of this hopeless sports team. And so the coach calls the first practice together, and, and he, he walks into the room and sees the team, right? They're running into each other. They're shooting on the wrong basket. They're kicking in the wrong goal. They can't skate very well if it's a hockey team. doesn't matter. They're clearly hopeless. And the coach sees the team for the first time and takes a deep breath and says, I can work with this. It happens in every sports movie. And it's a beautiful moment because I believe, church, it's the same way with God. I think that no matter what mess we get ourselves into, no matter what mistakes we make, no matter how unfaithful and undeserving we might be, God takes a step back and looks at us, takes a deep breath and says, I can work with this. Church, we're going to make mistakes. We won't be perfect. We won't follow the rules exactly as they are laid out, beginning, middle, and end. 
We will be harmful and hurtful to others, destructive to ourselves and others, but in the infinite goodness of God, in the infinite creativity of our Creator, in the infinite holiness of the Holy Spirit, God will see these mistakes and God will take a deep breath and say, I can work with this. Think about that. Let that be a powerful message of hope for you today. Let that take some of the stress of getting it all right off your shoulders. God, the great improviser, can work with whatever mistakes you've made. In fact, God can do something beautiful with the mistakes you've made. What new wisdom are you about to discover? What new insights will you gain? What new lessons will you uncover once God gets a hold of your next mistake? Now, that is a hopeful thought. But let's also be very clear about something. This doesn't mean that God wants us to make mistakes. God does not want us to sin, nor does God want us to be in pain. God did not design the world for hatred and violence. God did not design the world so that it could be polluted and destroyed. God did not design the world so that people could be held captive by their sin. God did not design these situations, but that doesn't mean that God can't improvise a little bit when these situations come along. It's like jazz music. Our God, the great improviser, can take whatever mistakes or sin or pain we are carrying, and God can somehow incorporate all of that noise back into the beautiful song that God's been singing since the beginning of time. We need to look no further than the cross of Jesus to know that this is true. On the cross, Jesus suffered an ugly and painful death. In an event that was marked with betrayal and injustice and abandonment and torture, all of the ugliness of human sin somehow tied up within that one moment on the cross. But because of Jesus' death on the cross, we know that even death, isn't a place where God won't go. Even death is a place where God hasn't been. Even death now somehow carries the promises of God. Somehow the great jazz musician has made even death into something holy. That's what God was doing with the Israelites too back in Babylon. God was making even this dark, ugly place called the Babylonian exile holy for them. Build houses, God says. Get married, have kids, put down roots in this place. Rediscover the joys of everyday life here in this foreign land. You see, when the Israelites were back in Israel, this was one of the big things they had forgotten. They had forgotten how to love and serve God joyfully each and every day. And this forgetfulness eventually led to their defeat by the Babylonians and their exile. But you know what? God could work with that. Even in exile, God was improvising so that the Israelites could rediscover all that they had lost. Church, we are invited each and every week to cast our cares upon God. And God will take all those mistakes that we bring with us and turn them into music. It won't always be what we expected, 
It won't follow any sort of neat program or clean line of thought. But with God, the great jazz musician, we are promised that in the end, all things will be beautiful and whole and complete again. Praise God for this promise. Amen.